Welcome to the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast, a podcast for SeedSing.com. I am your host, R.D. Kulik, and with me here is not the ideal specimen, or he is the ideal specimen of all men, which means I should make a doll of him. And that's the greatest other host, Ty. How are you today, Ty? Hi, everybody. Yeah, I feel like an ideal specimen who's going back on a diet since my kids are in school and I got a ton of races coming up. So I don't think I'm the ideal specimen right now. Hey, the former loser president we have, Trump said yesterday that he's 6'3", 215. Okay, I weigh, I'm, I'm 6'2", and I weigh 285 pounds, mm-hmm. and he has to weigh more than I do, yes, and he's he not as tall as I am. Not only is he a loser and a liar like we know, but he's just, I, I don't know, they like to talk about the current president having brain problems. I think we know damn he has brain problems. What does he call the fish fillet? It's something different because he said it wrong, but him and his dumbass followers, like, no, that's what it's called, the yeah. fish delight or some shit, oh, something yeah. like that. I, I can't. <laughs> yeah, he's sick. <laughs> Even though I work in that industry, I have checked out as much as possible. Yeah. So he is a monster, and I fully implore everybody to go look at the horrible mugshot that just came out. Let's talk about another monster here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's talk about Ruth Marina Handling. Okay. So you know who that is? That's who Rhea Perlman that's, played in the movie, I believe. Is, yeah. I she, did see Barbie, everybody. Yes. So. <laughs> that's she and she had a little throwaway line in the movie, which we're gonna reference a lot of a certain Simpsons episode too, that kind of had a throwaway or throwaway line on that. Ruth Marina Handler is the inventor of the Barbie doll. Mm-hmm. She was born in nineteen sixteen. Polish Jewish immigrants were her parents. She married her high school boyfriend, Elliot Handler, and they moved to Los Angeles in 1938, where she started to work for Paramount Pictures. Hmm. Okay. At the time, her husband was working with somebody else at a, a new toy company. And Ruth talked about she noticed how her daughter, sorry, first she noticed that the only kind of dolls girls could play with were they looked like babies. And so she noticed her daughter really liked to use paper dolls. And she said she was playing with them like they were adults. She came up with an adult-like doll for girls. And Mattel said, no, that's dumb. What? (laughs) You talk about playing with... I loved that beginning scene in Barbie where Mm -hmm. it shows all the little girls playing with baby dolls. And obviously, Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach did it in... This is their homage to 2001 A Space Odyssey. But I thought that scene was just absolutely fantastic in the movie even though it is a funny scene we're going to talk a lot about the movie in the second half but even though it was a funny scene and stuff like that it's true it's absolutely true that's what happened Mm -hmm. so on a trip in europe in 19 i don't think a little girl bashed (laughs) no the seismic change in especially girls toys but toys in general that's what we're going to talk about here is when i've talked about transformers i've talked about he-man i've talked about gi joe and all that stuff all of them Barbie is their Adam and Eve. Barbie is what started all of that, created an entire toy line. Call it dolls, call it action figures, call it what you want. It starts here. And it starts well, with yeah, Ruth like our, our mom went to see it with a friend of hers after I saw it with my wife and kids. And our mom it was born in 1950. And she told me that Barbie came out when she was my son's age. Mm-hmm. My son is 11. So for our mom to say that, I was like, I didn't realize how long Barbie had been around because it's been around my entire life. So in 1956, Ruth was on a trip in Europe with her husband and her two children, Barbara and Kenneth. And she <laughs> came across a German toy called Build Lily. And it was adult. It was an adult figure doll. And it was what Handler had in mind, this kind of idea. 
So she purchased a bunch of them. She gave one to her daughter. And then she came back and worked on a few things to create what is the Barbie doll. And on March 9th, 1959, at the American International Toy Fair, and this is also listed as Barbie's official birthday, a doll, I think it was just under 12 inches, in a black and white striped swimsuit with little sunglasses. One version had was a brunette and one version was a blonde. The Barbie doll was officially unveiled. Now, again, so mom, mom was younger than my son. Yes, she yeah. was. Yeah, she was two years younger than my son is right now. And they went through a lot of different things. Like one of the big things with the first Barbie doll is Ruth wanted it to have adult features. She wanted it to be. But Mattel wanted They kept marking it as the teenage fashion model. But Ruth, though, was like, no, I wanted to have more adult features because, again, she was obsessed with this idea of little girls acting out adult women. Again, this is 1959. Again, Mattel, though, they're like, okay, do we have a hit here? They started to run during the Mickey Mouse hour. They started to run this commercial. Barbie, you're beautiful. You make me feel my Barbie doll is really Barbie's small and so petite, her clothes and figure look so neat, her dancing outfit rings the bell, at parties she will cast a spell, purses, hats, and gloves galore, and all the gadgets gals adore. Barbie dressed for swim and fun is only $3. Her lovely fashions range from $1 to $5. Look for Barbie wherever dolls are sold. Someday I'm gonna be exactly like you. Till then, I know just what I'll do. Barbie, beautiful Barbie. I'll make believe that I am you. You can tell it's Mattel. It's swell. That's my favorite part. You can tell it's Mattel. It's swell. <laughs> that commercial is an era lost to time. Like, I get transported back to watching old movies in black and white and stuff. I, I, I love that they got a professional singer to do that yes. commercial. That's rad. I love that. Yes. And <laughs> Barbie made Mattel. We all know what Mattel is today. This is what made it. What I wanted to say is interesting about it is its price point. It wasn't sounds cheap to us today, but it was still a little premium. That's and, expensive, I imagine. Yeah. And then the clothing, like they said, and that, that was one of the big things that Ruth wanted was to be able to change her clothes. And all the clothes were handmade in like Japan oh, or wow. something like that. Bummer. So, yeah, no, not here, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know, I just. This is America. Now, Build Lily saw this and sued the hell out of Mattel. And <laughs> they went back and forth and it was finally settled out of court. And then Mattel flat out bought all the patents that Build oh. Lily had. It's, and okay. that, that was in like the early 1960s. So it was quickly after the doll had come in. There was a, a lot of complaints about it. Again, this is the late 1950s, early 1960s. What were they complaining about? The doll's breasts. Who cares? Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there was like bar the original Barbies looked sideways and had this demure look. And people are like, that's too sexual. Oh, my God. People were so <laughs> pent up in the 50s and 60s, man. Yeah. In 1971, they finally changed it to have her uh, eyes look forward. Now, this is a part of the story where our hero Ruth is going to be leaving. And like I said, uh -oh. Rhea Perlman, not death. Not yet, but Rhea Perlman <laughs> did make a throwaway mention of this. But in 1970, Ruth was diagnosed with breast cancer, and she had okay. a, a radical surgery at the time, a modified mastectomy. 
to basically get rid of the get rid of the tumors, get rid of the stuff. Mm-hmm. With that, at the time, she had his business partner, Peyton Massey. She realized that basically her breasts were gone. She created a realistic version of a woman's breast called Nearly Me. And it was so popular mm-hmm. that the first lady, Betty Ford, was fitted with one. It was wow. at this time that people started to look into the way Ruth was reporting her finances. Oh, I know what part you're talking about now in the movie, too, yeah. So she had to resign from Mattel in 1975 because the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission found that she had uh, not been paying taxes at all. Uh And as a matter of fact, the Simpsons with the Malibu Stacy, the talking Malibu Mm -hmm. Stacy we're going to talk about, the Kathleen Turner character even makes mention of that, how she's like, I got forced out of the company because of men. (laughs) Oh, and I had some tax issues. (laughs) (laughs) Ruth ended up pleading no contest, was fined uh, the equivalent of about 250000 in today's money, sentenced to 2500 of community services. And she ended up basically saying in statements that she thought her illness is what made her unfocused on her business. But yeah, yeah she was a tax cheat. <laughs> so. Well, that's a bummer. And it stinks that it came to that. And I like this whole idea of using a sickness as, oh, I forgot to pay taxes has always been hilarious. Not hilarious, just off-putting. No, it is. And uh, yeah. she did, Ruth did die in California, April 27, 2002, at the age of 85. Her husband died nine years later at the age of 95. That's unheard of, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> so, Was this the same guy she married in high school, yes, too? Yes. Wow, they stayed married. Good for them. <laughs> yeah. I love that. So this is about the time, though, where Barbie starts to really take off. It's already super, super successful, but with a variety of things happening in the 1970s and 80s, mainly, and I go back to when we talked about the Transformers or G.I. Joe, they're releasing cartoons, they're releasing toys, and Transformers was Tonka or... Isn't that right? It's a Japanese company. It's not Tonka trucks, but it's something like that. But Mattel... Was we got to get into the the boy toy market here? I know that sounds very sure. bad, but they <laughs> were two dudes talking about yes. Barbie today. So. <laughs> yes, Mattel went and they made He Man. It's I'm on this weird He Man thing. I went and I got the whole series on DVD because it's cheap, and I'm watching it. Why are and, you buying DVDs? Are you one of those people who's getting DVDs from Netflix to keep now? Oh, I wish I was. That would have been awesome. Why? Physical what are you media. Doing with DVDs? Oh, oh the next first watch rewatch is about Grease too, and I watched it on my Honest to God Blu-ray. That oh, you have Grease too on Blu-ray. That's right. What are you, Scott Ackerman, dude? That's on, right. Man. Physical media. <laughs> Anyways, I'm on this thing, and the thing about He-Man is it's so incredibly, it's so stupid in the in a lot of different ways. But they're named like He-Man and She-Ra, and then yeah. there's there's the unfortunately named Fisto. Man at arms. I mean, it. but it was so simple enough that He-Man... Why is Skeletor <laughs> called Skeletor? That's then? the coolest one. <laughs> totally. <but> I, just, <laughs> I mean, anyway. could, now there is another version of Skeletor or something called Scare Glow, which is he glows in the dark. And yes, <laughs> but He-Man was big business. As a matter of fact, He-Man for a very brief period of time, it was probably a quarter or two in the mid-1980s, was outselling Barbie. And the people at T-Man. Yeah. And people at Mattel were like, no. Barbie had always, and this is where some things are going to change a little bit. Barbie had always been very good about portraying Barbie in very adult roles. Like there was an astronaut Barbie. There was a doctor, or one of the first ones that you were talking about early 60s. There was a doctor. There's all those outfits. The 
original G.I. Joe, the 12-inch G.I. Joe. That's what you do is you'd buy the toy and then buy all these different outfits. So he could be in the Navy or yeah. be in the Army. They got all of that from Barbie. And Barbie really leaned into these professional fields for women. It wasn't like the obviously the original one was in a swimsuit, but it wasn't like yeah. here's prom dress Barbie, which I'm sure there yeah. was. Yeah. They here's re- cheerleader Barbie. Yes. Stuff like that. They really leaned into it. Now, this time in the 1980s when they're like, okay, we got to compete with He-Man and something that He-Man had. Like I said, it was just you think of something. They're like, let's make one that stinks. What should we call him? Stinkor. And, and I'm not <laughs> kidding about this, people. This is real. This is... <laughs> one was like, oh, this one you can stick on the wall. We'll call him Leech because they're like, they didn't want to oh, call him Suckor because it would sound too much <laughs> Stinkor or something. But like also this if Hollywood writer, like the people who the writers are striking against right now, if you're listening to this, the writing, writing has gotten so much better now from back then. Somebody could come up with a way better name than Stinkor right now for an animal that stinks. So, so pay the writers and pay the actors. Yes, and I'm going <laughs> to get to that at the end here. But they decided to branch out into all these different Barbies. And again, some of them had come a little bit earlier. But Barbie, it wasn't too long after the Barbie doll was made that they made a companion for her, a blonde-haired fellow by the name of Ken. Again, named after Ruth's son. They also, as time went on, she, Barbie, got like a sister skipper. And Uh as the years went on and they were trying to expand the ages of girls playing it from like 9 to 11 to a little bit older, they had the, what was it, the make me grow up skipper or something. Yeah, the one that you pull the arm down and they grow boobs. Yeah, she also grows (laughs) like an inch. Too. Oh, okay. I only knew that from the movie, too, which we'll talk about in a second. Yes, <laughs> yes. And so there, they ended up, oh, she also, for a while, she also had another sister, Stacy, another one, Chelsea, but Skipper's the one that stayed around. That that Make Me Grow Skipper just drove people insane. The religious right and all that are like, oh, you're teaching kids that boobs exist or something as that you get older. That they grow up? Yeah. That everybody goes through puberty? That's a fact of life now in hindsight a lot of people a lot of social scientists sociologists praised that doll for that was something that women had we're going to get to some that not going to be praised so much here in a moment barbie even went in to create hispanic Teresa, african-american christy that's not their names but i'm saying Teresa was hispanic there was midge there was alan ken's friend my favorite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, um, there was an Australian surfer named Blaine. Now, Blaine, I want to make this is in the late 1990s. Mattel did this whole again. This is just their dolls. And they had like DVD movies and VHS movies and stuff. But mm-hmm. they decided that Ken and Barbie were going to break up. Oh, and, no. I yeah. didn't know that they were even together. I thought they were just hanging out. Yeah. And that's when <laughs> or it was 2004 when they broke up. And that's when Blaine, the Australian surfer doll, was made who started to hang out with Barbie. Oh, boy. Causing some drama. Yes. (laughs) Now, according to official Barbie Mattel timeline and stuff, Barbie and Ken are not together. They're just friends. Yeah. That's a lot of people are like, oh, Ken's her boyfriend. And again, we'll talk about the movie a bit, but that is officially what they're saying. Some of these new toys are hit or miss, but I'm going to tell you about... Two of them here that are incredibly missed. And I'm a little surprised. Three, actually. I'm a little surprised that one of these did not show up in the movie. Spoiler alert, people. Okay. So the first one is Make Me Smile Becky. Make Me Smile Becky? Yes. Okay. Make Me Smile Becky, I'm going to tell you right now, I think has 
all of the best intentions in the world. And when you hear the whole story about it, Mattel did the right things. But Make Me Smile Becky was a friend of Barbie's who was a handicapped, who was in a wheelchair. Okay. Nothing too bad about that. It's good. Mattel was like, we want a Barbie for every girl. We want one that yeah. can say everything that they, that they, no matter what, you can do everything. The problem with Make Me Smile Becky is Barbie Dreamhouse has an elevator in it. And Becky doesn't oh. fit in that elevator. Oh, no. That's no good. <laughs> uh. If you buy the Dreamhouse now, she does fit in. Okay, good. At least there's that. Are they still selling Make Me Smile, Becky? I don't. I It's probably branded as something else, but yeah. uh, I can't exactly mean that. So the second one I'm going to talk about is Midge, her friend Midge. Midge has been around. Is one of the originals. Midge has been around since 1963. Late 80s, they were, again, Mattel was trying to create all these different things. So I had this happy family collection. And one of them was Midge, who was visibly pregnant. And you could take the, it was like a shell, you could take the shell off and there's a little baby in there. Looks oh. like some kind of Cronenberg thing. But again, they're trying, look, women get pregnant, women have babies. Uh, my there's, daughter would have loved that. She draws pictures all the time of pregnant. Yeah. It's two problems with the happy family mid. The first mm. one is she's not wearing a wedding ring. Oh, so what? <laughs> Girls get pregnant? The second <laughs> one is she looks like mid. She looks young. Mm. So That's okay. Young there, girls get pregnant. There's a lot of people MTV say. MTV has based their whole <laughs> post-music video lives on young girls getting pregnant. So they said, <laughs> is this promoting unwed teenage pregnancy? Oh, my God. People need to chill out and just let people live, man. That was problematic. And then there was Talking Barbie. Okay. So was this in the movie? No. Oh, and right. I'm a little surprised it wasn't. They're about to release Barbie. And again, I'll talk about this in the second half, why I think this happened. They're about to re- release it in IMAX theaters with some extra footage. And I've heard rumors that this Barbie does show up in there. But okay. it was, you're getting to the point, computer uh, chip technology is getting smaller. There's more you can do. They did talk in the Barbie movie about the one with the TV on its back. Yeah, that's who I thought you were talking to. No, talking. that wasn't problematic like this. You're going to hear why this one was problematic. So Mattel went big. They had like 270 different sayings, and each Barbie you would get would uh, be able to say four different things. So you could buy multiples of these, and yeah. they would all say different things. And it was... Like, hey, let's call our friends for a sleepover or stuff like that. Or semi-problematic, but not so bad. They were like, hey, let's go shopping. But then there was this one out of the 270 sayings that everybody in the news heard. So I'm going to play this. This was a Canadian news report. Okay, Ty? This year, Barbie made a blunder and joined the ranks of everyone else who made big marketing mistakes in 1992. Do you like toasted marshmallows? That's the kind of talk we expect from Barbie innocuous and upbeat. But here's the one-liner that got her into big trouble. Math class is tough. Mighty discouraging words from a female role model. That is such a bummer. Uh-huh. Why would they do that? Uh-huh. Now, this wasn't the first time there was this kind of concept. There was a very early Barbie it was called like sleepover Barbie or something. And one of the big things they did is these Barbies would come with accessories. And mm-hmm. the sleepover Barbie had a, a scale where you'd weigh yourself and the scale was permanently on 110. Oh, my God. Why? And they were why like, they, they said, if anything, Barbie, like her proportions and everything like that would have at minimum bed like 135 pounds. 
And then that same Barbie also came with a book called How to Lose Weight. And you would open oh. it up, and the only thing it says is don't eat. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> but it's horrible. Yeah. So they, that was, that again goes back to that Simpsons. That's what that whole Simpsons was about. That the Malibu Stacy said something like, math is hard. And Lisa yeah. lost her damn mind over what, it. What was Lisa's doll called again, too? I can't remember the name of it. Oh, God. It was something Lisa. Yeah, I, I just can't remember the name of it. Yeah, it, but I know anyway. the only thing I remember is Bart saying stupid head face or something like that. <laughs> yeah, because nobody's paying attention to Bart. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and to so Barbie has gone on. It actually stupid Lisa garbage face. Yes, is what that's right. <laughs> so that's what I always call it. It, it. Now, the other one that I'm going to briefly talk about here, too, is so I guess there's four of them, is the Oreo Barbie. Now, I understand why this did not show up. In the movie. That's not a proper term, too, right? So th- it is a racial term that people will say an Oreo is an African-American person that has, like, white values. Uh-huh. Now, what the issue with this, and this was just marketing people at Mattel just not thinking about it, is they made two different Barbies. They made a the traditional white Barbie, and they made an African-American one. And they've had many African-American Barbies in the past. But these were branded by Oreo. So on both of these dolls, it was like Oreo presents Barbie. Oh, come on. (laughs) That's just somebody has to catch that. (laughs) There's been but there's been like tattoo Barbies, which one of the tattoos is could be looked at as a tramp stamp. Oh, well, (laughs) there's but Barbie is gone. It's been this could go on and on. It Bratz dolls came out. And so Barbie is trying to compete with that. At the end of the day, in the early or the late uh, like 2000, the beginning of the 21st century, Barbie started to dip again, but it started to have a huge resurgence just maybe 10 years ago. And then people mm-hmm. think the movie is going to blow it out. It's, it's still, my point is, it's still one of the biggest selling toys on the planet. Yeah, you can't see right now, but I'm recording in my basement and that's where my kids play. And my daughter has a full dream house with multiple Barbies down here. And it's funny enough, because she, we're trying to instill individuality and you can do anything your brother can do and mom and I can do type stuff. My daughter likes to dress her in old timey 60s clothes and put her in the swimming pool and stuff like that. But my daughter has multiple Barbies and a full Barbie dream house right around. Yeah. Hey, that's what I mean. It's still seven in case people were curious too. She's only seven. But in the, what is it now? 60 plus years. Like I said, it's still one of the top selling toy lines. Their latest controversy is Barbies don't come in one size anymore. There's varying sizes of Barbies. And the bigger one was dubbed by a lot of people as fat Barbie. It would be the equivalent of a a woman who's a size four is what that would be. So people are horrible. That's the toy line itself. We're going to take a break here in the second half. We're going to talk about some of this legacy, including one of the biggest movies to have ever come out. Sounds good. Hello, all. This is RD. I wanted to talk to you guys about another podcast that I do work on called High Heels and Politics. It's hosted by Marianne Christie, who I work with here in Southwest Ohio. And Marianne, she interviews a lot of influential people. In Ohio, she's interviewed uh, a lot of political people that are influential. But for those of you outside of this state, she's also interviewed people like Susie Chapstick Chaffee, a former Olympic skier who was the face of Chapstick for the 1970s and 1980s. It's really interesting to listen to that one because she talks about her struggles as a woman in the Olympics, but then how she used her celebrity and her attractiveness 
in order to get more rights for amateur athletes, which led us today to things like the NIL. Also, Susie was very instrumental in Title IX, which we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of. But it's not all just seriousness. Marianne has also interviewed the Naked Cowboy, the New York City icon that's been out there. Simon Lease, who a lot of you may know if you've ever seen The People vs. Larry Flint, he was the guy that arrested Larry Flint. He also arrested Jerry Springer when Jerry Springer was a member of the Cincinnati City Council here. So I encourage you guys go to Spotify, Google, Apple, go search High Heels in Politics, follow, subscribe the show. Marianne comes out with a new one every week, and it's an incredibly great conversation. And if you're interested or know anybody that may be on High Heels in Politics, just go to the contact page and talk to us. So let's get back to the conversation. Okay, Ty, I can comfortably say I don't have any Barbies in my house, but I'm staring at right now a Transformer, three G.I. Joes. I look up to my right and I've got He-Man, Skeletor, and Fisto. If I go to my office, I got a variety of pops. None of this crap exists without Barbie. No, I was going (laughs) to say, I have the Barbie stuff. My daughter has it, but I'm looking at a Charles Woodson figurine right now that wouldn't exist without Yeah. Again, there were dolls before and more in the spirit of what Cabbage Patch dolls or even American Girl dolls are now. That's your toy if you were a girl. If you were a boy, you were given a baseball bat or whatever or done something like this. But Starting lineups. That's yeah. a boy toy, but that wouldn't be made without girl without Barbie. Barbie made this concept of something in your hand, something you could do different things with, the articulation, all this other stuff. So when you talk about legacy... An entire toy line of dolls and action figures come out of this. That is start because of Barbie. Yes. And Barbie because of Bill Lilly, the idea of Bill yes, yes. to Barbie. But Barbie is what popularized it. I often tell people that the iPhone was not the first smartphone, but oh, it's the one that put a smartphone in everybody's pocket. And that, that's just the facts of it. Is yeah. but with that, with being first, with all that other stuff and coming of age. At a time, the counterculture era, the disco era, the 1980s, all this other stuff, man, Barbie has gone everywhere. There's been huge museum installations at the Louvre. There's been things like Times Square. Any art place has been all this huge stuff in 1980s. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say last summer, we went on a big trip to Mackinac Island and I was going to Indianapolis with my family and you said, go to the Children's History Museum. Mm -hmm. So we went. They have a whole area section off just a barbies yeah that's all it is and it goes through the whole process of it it was awesome too no right and then in 1986 andy warhol painted barbie the painting in 2015 sold for just over a million dollars at auction and mattel even created an andy warhol barbie after that oh nice (laughs) i know i didn't look that one up i looked up a couple of other ones but oh uh, if it looks like andy warhol it looks weird yes (laughs) yes Barbie has been the subject of multiple essays from The New Yorker, The Economist, all of these things. Like I said, there's been direct-to-video movies. There's a was a show on Netflix. There's been songs, Barbie Girl, famously. <laughs> An entire Simpsons episode dedicated <laughs> yeah, to their version of Barbie. On and on. In 2009, for Barbie's 50th anniversary, there was a runway show in New York City. Inspired by Barbie's things, there's been there's a theme park that's going to open next year just outside of Phoenix, Arizona. It's a Mattel theme park. There's going to be a Barbie's beach house there. They also have Thomas and Friends and the Hot Wheels go-kart track. So 
That's something. I guess go kart track would be cool. Yeah, that's something to look at. You do have to go to Arizona though to go there. No, in uh, 2019, (laughs) Mattel launched the Barbie Dream Gap project. What the Dream Gap is is an idea of girls beginning at the age of five start to doubt their intelligence where boys do not. So this is a program to encourage young girls to. It's okay to be smart. It's you should do this. You should look at all that stuff. Yeah. In May of 2020. Mattel put out a whole bunch of first responder essential worker Barbies and gave a bunch of money to the COVID pandemic. February 2022, for their 60th anniversary, instead of doing a fashion show, they teamed up with Habitat for Humanity to build houses. So (laughs) Mattel seems like they, at least the people who work in the Barbie division, seem to have their head on relatively straight for a major corporation. Yeah. There's issues. It's it's every (laughs) other company. Now, with all of this stuff... The first African-American Barbie did come out in 1967, but there's been a lot. Every time Barbie seems to try to do some inclusivity, including their first Latin model, it looked white. People are like, look, you got to try to do better. And when we talk about Mattel, they do seem to try keep trying to do better. Now, Barbie yeah. does with it is people have said that the portions, like I said, the, they think she weighs 110 pounds, puts forth an unrealistic an unrealistic way to look for young girls. Yeah. yeah. And then there's obviously being one of the biggest toy lines in the world, the amount of plastic that it it produces. Mm -hmm. People have brought all of those things up about Barbie, including in the movie many times. But when you're the number one toy ever, when you like McDonald's is blamed for all the obesity stuff, when you're the number one, you're going to get a lot of that blame. But Mm -hmm. with that, it's still going. It's still oh, yeah. making an incredible amount of money. And I look, again, my daughter puts Barbies on her Christmas list. And I looked up Make Me Smile Becky, original Make Me Smile Becky, and it's thousand dollars. Or the talk you can't find a talking Barbie that actually works. But I think mm-hmm. the last one they said sold for close to nine thousand one that says math is hard. It's oh a goodness. where the theme of a lot of these podcasts is the fact that when I go to Target or Walmart or anything like that, I go to the toy aisle, not my son, mm-hmm. yep. because <laughs> I have to go and get my G.I. Joe guy and stuff like that <laughs> is. So in the collectible market, Barbie's becoming really big too. America. Makes sense. Yeah. America Ferreira's character in the movie. They, they don't like hit you over the head with it, but she's the adult that's playing with the Barbie, not her uh, that dog. Was one of my favorite parts is when. Margot Robbie is stereotypical Barbies in the car with them. And she says, I was supposed to come here to save you, not your daughter. I loved that part. Now, Lawn with the Legacy of Barbie has been where it's shown up in, in media in one ways or another. There was Mattel sued an artist in 1999 where he made a group of photographs called Food Chain Barbie. And it was different variations of destruction of Barbie being in a blender. Mattel <laughs> lost that lawsuit based on the First Amendment. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. In Living Color, Homie the Clown was playing as Santa, and the little girl said she wanted Barbie, but instead he said she got Compton Carlotta, which is a doll made of sticks, and then had her slum apartment, which was a milk carton. In <laughs> <laughs> Living Color was such an underrated <laughs> yeah. sketch show. It yeah. was so good. Barbie has made the likeness of a lot of famous people, including Frida Kahlo. They never got permission from her estate, uh-huh. so they had to pay out a big one there. Greenpeace has obviously been all over Mattel for all this stuff. Mattel has adopted a sustainability policy because of all that stuff. Good. There was a Saturday Night Live 
did a commercial, I think it was in the 1980s, of Gangster Bitch Barbie and Tupac Ken, just to show how Barbie was trying to get into all of these things. And then I talk about Simpsons, the Lisa versus Malibu Stacy episode. It's one of the most, I what is it? It's Famous like, episodes. Yeah, I can't think. I'm trying to <laughs> um, read and think at the same time. I think You Should Leave even does a sketch where they have a doll called Tammy Kreps. Yeah. That's like their Barbie. That's <laughs> yes. a great sketch, too. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa Lionheart was the name of the doll. Lisa Lionheart. Not stupid Lisa Garbage Face. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to call it now. <laughs> this leads me to the recent Barbie movie. Movie is awesome. Now, like I awesome. said, <laughs> yes, no, it's, it is outstanding. One of We're, the best movies I've seen in years. They've been trying to, everybody thinks this is a new thing. And Mattel has basically said they've got all their toy lines out for movies. One of those toy lines, like I said, is He-Man, which has, you know, started and stopped so many different times. They've been trying to make this movie for a long time. And one of the more famous, and they've been going back and forth. They had one of the writers of Sex of the City had a treatment that they were doing. And, and again, a big movie, not one of these DVD or Netflix things or something like that. There was, a, after the movie Juno, the writer Diablo Cody won an Oscar. Yeah. They wanted her to make one. And she just said she could never get it together. She's, she felt like it was too big of a project. She just could not figure out where she wanted to go with it. There was a very famous production that Amy Schumer was going to play Barbie in. and I'm curious how that would have turned out. Yeah, and it all fell apart. And then Trainwreck's a really good movie. Yeah. But then I feel pretty not. So I'm curious which Amy Schumer we would have got. We talk about these things, vaporware, these projects that were in high production that never really got made. This isn't one of those. So what we got <laughs> I is I wonder big. if when Diablo Cody was scheduled, I wonder if she in turn wrote Jennifer's Body instead. Yeah. It, Jennifer's Body is not a great movie, but I, I mean, actually like that movie. I was going to say, I find <laughs> it enjoyable. It's like a goofy horror comedy. And Amanda Seyfried is fantastic. And so mm. that's one of the few roles I've seen Megan Fox in where she's really good. Yeah. She does what she's supposed to do in that movie. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it, Diablo Cody's has said that, and this is a quote from a GQ article, when I was first hired for this, I don't think the culture had not embraced the femme or the bimbo as a valid feminist archetype yet. And I think she's right. that yeah. society changes and she was really trying. It sounded like she was trying to do what Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach did. Yeah. But she's not as talented as the two. Of them. No. Now, <laughs> when... A lot of people talk about, and I heard this from the clothes and fedora sides of the internet, that Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach sold out because they made a big Hollywood film. And it's, no, you're all they just They did stupid. not sell out. Yeah, yeah, That's like me when I was a teenager saying that Ben Harper sold out because his video was on it. Yeah. People got to make money. People got to, you can't live in squalor your whole life. And again, when they made it, it was like they got Margot Robbie right away. They got Ryan it's Gosling in there. Company, right? Pardon? Isn't it Margot Robbie's production company? Yes, who produced yeah, it? yeah, yeah. And she is about to make an ungodly amount of money on this movie. Yep. I'm sure she is. She's already going to be the highest paid actress ever for a film. May end up being the highest paid actor ever for a movie when this is all said and done. She's earned it. This movie's amazing. Ryan Gosling read the script and essentially begged them to be in. After I saw it, just a quick aside, I read a thing on IMDb's trivia that said he was on the fence at first about doing it. 
And then he saw his daughter's Ken doll outside face down in the mud next to a rotten lemon. <laughs> and I guess texted the picture to Greta Gerwig and said, I need to tell his story. I'll do you. Yep. Michael Sarah personally called Greta Gerwig to just find a part for him. My favorite in the whole movie. I told my wife and kids that and they all looked at me like I was nuts. Michael Sarah as Alan is perfect. <laughs> yeah. And they're like John Cena's in it for two minutes. Issa Rae's <laughs> in a- it. Dua Lipa, Issa Rae is fantastic also. The people they got, Kate McKinnon is amazing. Oh, so good. Will Ferrell as the CEO of Mattel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they they put together this cast. The the production design on the movie was out of this world. They I said when I saw the movie, I told my wife, I go, it was very confident in what it was doing, which sounds weird. But Mm -hmm. not only did I think the movie was incredibly well made, not only did I think it was funny as hell. But it was also oh, yeah. very kind of touching in a lot of ways. Absolutely. And I go back to I saw Oppenheimer and then a couple of weeks later I saw Barbie and Oppenheimer is a very good movie. It is. I'm not taking anything away with it. But Barbie is a better film. It's just okay. it's more enjoyable. It's this is going to sound bad for me. But Christopher Nolan making Oppenheimer, that's easy. And that's what he yeah, does. Totally. And it's a big subject and you get great actors. And like I said, uh, Emily Blunt and Robert Downey Jr. took pay cuts just to be in that movie. Mm-hmm. You expect it to work. This is a movie about Barbie. And it's I told my wife, it's like a Jean-Paul Sartre play about existentialism. I don't even know who that <laughs> is. It is about existentialism. No, and you talk about the closing fedora side of the internet being upset. This is Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach's. They're taking their indie sensibilities, but making a big movie. And yes. You're right. This Not only is this movie very touching and heartfelt and the story it tells is great, but there are moments in this movie. I laughed as hard at this movie as I did at movies like Anchorman mm-hmm. and Harold and Kumar. There's a part when a mini spoiler, if you haven't seen it, where Ken kind of takes over Barbie world and turns it into Kendo, I believe is what he calls it. <laughs> yeah. And Barbie and all the other Barbies are tricking them. And she comes over to his house one night and she knocks on the door or whatever. She's like, oh, hey, do you want to hang out? And Ryan Gosling as his Ken goes away, screams sublime. <laughs> and then comes back. He's like, yeah, that's okay. I was laughing so hard that my daughter leaned over to my wife and I who was laughing as well. She's like, I don't get the joke, guys. So th- this movie is for adults it's oh, yeah. not a kid's movie oh yeah no like you say that and when they're trying to distract the men and the different things they're saying they're like oh how did they make godfather do yeah. you start at the beginning we talk about it? or for some reason i have an opinion about Zack snyder's justice league <laughs> <laughs> totally. I mean, just those little things and when all the kids are playing that uh, matchbox 20 song push yeah. around yeah. the fake fires yeah. like <laughs> that's just Brilliant. And I said this to you off, Mike, but my favorite line of the whole movie is when Ryan Gosling's Ken says, I lost interest in the patriarchy when I found out it wasn't just about horses. (laughs) That says it all right there. (laughs) His mojo dojo casa house. (laughs) That's right. America Ferrer and her character say, you don't have to say house three times. (laughs) Now, something I want to say is very important. As all these times they were trying to get this movie off the ground, and Hathaway was in consideration at one point for the same version that Amy Schumer was. A lot of people have gone to, have gone, have tried to make this movie. But when Margot Robbie was, because she has her own production company, but you need a big company to come in to give you the money, but then to also distribute it. So she needed Warner Brothers. And she went in with a presentation to Warner Brothers about this Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie Barbie movie. And she compared it to Jurassic Park and said, look, (laughs) do I think it's going to make a billion dollars? Sure. 
Um, it did. It's yeah. done more than that. Yeah. <laughs> like, we mentioned the opening scene, how it's like 2001. From there on out, it's there's not a dull moment within this movie. No. Oh, God, and no. Touching, funny, told. You fully, like, I fully bought into the fact that Ryan Gosling as Ken, Margot Robbie as her Barbie doll, Issa Rae as her, like, I fully bought into the fact that they legitimately thought they were Barbie. So much so as, like, when Margot Robbie's going through her crisis and she just lays down in Barbie land, she looks like a doll hog. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the way they show them drinking and brushing their teeth, and it's exactly what my daughter does with her Barbie, but they made it into a movie and they did it properly. And I'm still floored at how well, like, I wanted to like the movie. I didn't realize I would love it as much as I did when I went to see it. Let's talk about the patriarchy. No, he's lame. Yeah. Before this movie ever came out, and look, everybody knew. I think the first time I saw a preview for it, a proper preview for it, was before we went to see the Super Mario Brothers movie. My wife and I went, and my son brought a friend of his, and they sat somewhere else, and we did. And I remember <laughs> my wife was coming back from the bathroom because she'll usually go during the previews, and the Barbie preview was on, and my son and his friend are like, Is this a joke? Is this real? <laughs> and I remember I told him that will be the biggest movie of the year. 100%. I go, everybody's going to see that movie. We all know it's going to be the biggest movie of the year. So we all knew this. And then there's a scene in the movie where Barbie has to go to the real world. And Kate McKinnon shows her this map that was in the trailer. And idiot Senator Ted Cruz went all mad because it was some pro-China propaganda stupid thing. He's an idiot. Yeah, yeah, but he decided he was on Fox News for weeks just talking about how the Barbie movie's woke and it's Chinese propaganda. And then Why right is before, it Chinese propaganda? I he Is there an Asian of, person in the movie? Uh, yeah, Seema Lu's in the movie. Oh, Seema Lu. That's yeah. Seema Lu was great in the yeah, movie. But, but no, it had nothing to do with that. He's just, this yeah. is what he does because he's a dumbass. Okay. Yeah. But then the day the movie opened out, Professional crybaby who fully admits all the time that he cannot sexually arouse his wife because he doesn't know what wetness or moisture means or anything. <laughs> ben Shapiro. Guy sucks. Yeah. Decides to <laughs> dedicate his his podcast, which is it's a it's like a top five podcast or something. It's got a lot of so idiots. A lot listeners. of idiots yeah. out there, yeah. And he did a 43-minute video because he even says Ben Shapiro destroys Barbie in 43 minutes. And I could do my Ben Shapiro impersonation that i do all the time but i'm just gonna play a very quick part of this now ty this is the day the movie opens okay and of course he hates it and it's patriarchy and everybody's bad and he paid to see it then clearly oh he says his producers forced him to go now if you look at the pictures of him he's wearing jeans and a black shirt like the kens are at the end of the movie yeah and that (laughs) dope dance scene that they have that's one of the best dance scenes i've Mm -hmm. ever seen in a movie So during Ben Shapiro's, I'm going to play like 20 seconds of his 43 minutes, but this is a very important 20 seconds. This is what he says about the success of the Barbie movie. Week one, this thing is going to clean up at the domestic box office. My prediction is going to just absolutely fall off a cliff after that. The repeat business on this movie is going to be non-existent because it was written by two people who are so smug and self-satisfied and Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach. That they have no audience. Yep. I saw it on week four. Sold out movie. <laughs> yeah. Week four of its release on a Sunday afternoon at one o'clock, sold out movie. Not yep. a seat left. Yep. Our yep. mom went to see it on a Tuesday. The Tuesday that most schools started for people here, she said there was 80% full on a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> yeah. 
What is this? That's I, I will proudly say that's the first time I've ever heard that moron speak. So I didn't know what he sounded mm-hmm. like. And I'm so glad that he has to put his fist in his, or his, his foot in his mouth because he said. Something oh, no, these people have no shame. They just forget about it and their followers forget about it. Look, I have a friend here who, again, I work in politics. I work with a lot of Republicans and that was like. Why'd you go see that movie? It's just liberal woke nonsense. And I go, obviously, liberal woke nonsense makes a lot of money. And, Over a billion yeah. dollars. And this B whole billion, this whole stu- it's the dumbest freaking thing on the planet. This whole go woke, go broke, stupid stuff that they're all that the right wing's always talking about. Look, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. The Barbie movie is a feminist movie. And mm-hmm. it's feminist in so many different levels. What Barbie as the doll represented has been through so many different variations and meant many different things to the women. But the woman it means most to in this movie is a mother. Yep. <laughs> so that's the evolution of this. And this movie is not just a celebration, I think, of women. It is a celebration of mothers. A hundred percent. Yeah. America Ferrera is so, such, that was such a brilliant casting move by them. And for this nitwit to say that Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig don't have an audience. I've seen most of their movies and a lot of people I hang out with love most of their movies. Yeah. So what is this? You know what? Barbie made a hell of a lot more money than Jim Caviezel's new movie that the right wing loves. Barbie made that 10, 100 times more money than that movie. Oh, that and that's so what are these movie, people talking about? That stupid movie's making money the same way The Passion of the Christ is. These dumb churches are buying out theaters and you can go and see pictures of sold out theaters with nobody in there. Exactly. (laughs) Barbie, people are going to see Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig's Barbie. They're going to see Margot Rowdy playing Barbie. That's, again, I was in a packed theater on the fourth week of its release. Oh, I haven't seen anything like that ever. I was going to tell you originally. So you said Margot Robbie produced the movie. She originally wasn't going to play Barbie. She wanted Gal Gadot to play Barbie. Oh, I'm glad she did. I <laughs> yeah. like both of them, but I'm glad it was Margot Robbie. Yeah, so it's that gives you the I don't the care that they all took in making this movie because mm-hmm. like my my son, 13 years old, boy watching the Super Mario movie is like, is this a joke? Is this dumb? And I had to tell him many times, this isn't for you. No, exactly. That's that's just the case. I you took your kids to it and they probably had a very mm-hmm. different reaction than you and your wife did. I was going to say my son, who's very much sports and gung-ho about everything sports, he said six out of ten afterward. The rap song at the end was the best. I'm like, okay. <laughs> my daughter would look over at my wife. Why are you crying, Mom? This is a movie about Barbie. So, yeah, my kids did get it. My wife and I got it, and we loved it. Honestly, I cannot think. Maybe the first time I saw John Wick, I had this very similar feeling after seeing Barbie. But Barbie has stayed with me so much long. And this is, I love the John Wick movies. I've seen all four in the theaters. It's like. Our dad and my favorite thing to do when those movie comes out, when that movie came out. But I get a similar feeling from Barbie that I got from Sorry to Bother You. But Barbie is a far superior movie to Sorry to Bother You. And I love Sorry to Bother You. I think Barbie is a cultural touchstone that's going to go down as one of the most important movies ever made. I absolutely will. And we're at a point, we're recording this the day after Warner Brothers has said they're going to move Dune Part 2 into... 2024 and they have a handful of movies they have the aquaman movie i know that are still in december that they're still saying are going to stay in december the basically the studio heads met with the writers earlier this week and just berated them and tried to break them against the union so these strikes the actors and the writers strikes there's no end in sight and i know for the writers it's already gone on 
longer than any other strike. And it's I could spend an hour just talking about what's at stake and what they're doing and how I think it's nice that they're standing tall, but they're going to feel pain. Billy Porter, who sells house. Yeah. Who again, Billy Porter, if you don't know who he is, you've seen him. Okay. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's what people don't get. It's the large Jerry Ryan, who played seven and nine in uh, Star Mm -hmm. Trek stuff and just came off of the last season of Picard, which all the Star Trek people are just raving about. And Mm -hmm. she's got a lot at stake. Her star is really bright right now because they think the next Star Trek show or a lot of people want the next Star Trek show to be about her. And she is not only has she been tweeting or Xing or whatever like mad, Mm -hmm. she's really standing behind because she knows that, look, I've had a good career. I have a lot of money, but I am one of 10 people, the other nine don't have what I have. Totally. Something like Barbie and Oppenheimer, these are the movies of the rest of the year, okay? Mm-hmm. And they're going to go on Oppenheimer. It actually shocks the hell out of me that Oppenheimer's already made almost a billion dollars. It's yeah. because, again, it's you can show two Barbies in the time you show one Oppenheimer. Uh-huh. And they're very kind of different movies. Like you said, Barbie's breezy. It's got serious parts to it, but you don't feel like you've sat in the theater for a while. Oppenheimer's a lot of talking. All right. Oh, yeah. For a movie about a big old bomb. And you see <laughs> the bomb, but that's not a huge part of that movie. But these are the last big movies to come out this year. They are. Totally. And yeah. I think Barbie is going to easily surpass $2 billion when it's all said and done. Oh, yeah. I like going to the theater, so I'll probably go see it again. What I guess I'm saying is like a movie like Barbie, it's probably post-pandemic, the first really big event film. Something like Mario Brothers, which also made over a billion dollars, but it made $800 million of that outside of the U.S. or $700 million outside yeah. of the U.S. Barbie is banned in a bunch of countries. Okay? Mm-hmm. And Barbie has the feeling of, you remember when Spider-Man No Way Home came out? Yeah. And that was when Omicron persisted yes. or, or showed, it, showed its true stripes or whatever. Barbie has that same feel, except people aren't getting sick constantly from going to see it. No, and I say that as I had my radio voice, which tested three times, no COVID. So I don't know what the hell it is. <laughs> well, but, I went to a show last weekend. I had a test, actually, because I went to a show last week, which I'll be writing about next week um, with a friend of mine. And he got COVID. And apparently some other people I know did. But I've tested negative multiple times myself. But yeah, it's just I get that. I remember because I remember we were my wife and I were contemplating going to see No Way Home because we were all gathered for Christmas that year in Branson. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, I'm afraid I'll get COVID. I don't want to go. I ended up getting COVID anyway, but I didn't go see it in the theaters. Barbie has the same feeling, like you said, is that, okay, the pandemic is essentially over. Let's all go back to the theater. And everybody, not everybody I know wants to see Oppenheimer. Everybody I know wants to see Barbie. Yeah, absolutely. And they're going to see it, clearly going to see it, because that movie is making, <laughs> they can't print the amount of money that it's making. No, they can't. And it's just, it's a shame to me because, I was talking again to my wife about all this stuff that I I imagined in my head the Oscars or whatever. And mm-hmm. everybody's Gosling like... Gosling and Robbie better be considered. Oh, no. Robbie, I think, is going to win. I absolutely she do. should. She was amazing in that. And I, I think you're going to get the Oppenheimer Barbie thing at the Oscars again. There's a couple of other movies. There's the Killers of the Flower Moon, the Scorsese movie that's coming out. A couple of big ones. But the just the cultural impact. I haven't seen anything like this since Titanic, to be honest with you. And Barbie's a better a movie good. than Titanic. Um, yeah, it's a much better movie yeah. than Titanic. But Titanic wasn't even nominated for writing. Gerwig and Bombach are going to, if not them, <laughs> that's a problem is Oppenheimer's also in the adapted category. But you're going to, I mean, 
you know, Robert Downey Jr. and Killian Murphy, they're obviously going to be considered. But Margot Robbie, I, I, Margot Robbie, I think is going to win the damn Oscar. I think they're just going to have. And I actually think Barbie's going to win the Best Picture Award. I think well, it's just say, too hard to pass up. One, I think people will be upset if some people will be upset if Gerwig doesn't win for directing and if her and Bombach don't win for writing. Mm-hmm. Again, I haven't seen Oppenheimer. You've seen both. But the way they made Barbie was just it's it is a perfect movie. Yeah. So, Ty, if if they need you to play that Australian surfer in the next Barbie movie, where are they going to find you? I have to work on my <laughs> I have to work on my Australian accent. No, you can find me at Facebook and Instagram, T-Y-K-U-L-I-K, all lowercase. More importantly, come read my stuff on SeedSing, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G dot com. I'm going to have a Barbie review going up next week. I've just been engulfed in football because the NFL mm-hmm. and the college season right around the corner. I actually wrapped up my rankings today, the day we were recording this, and I'll have predictions and stuff out next week. But that's Seedsing, S-E-D-S-I-N-G.com. I have a review of Barbie that'll be going up next week as well. You can hear me on the Chucklehead Chat podcast hosted by my buddy Glenn Adams. I've been on that three or four times. You can find that wherever you get podcasts. But most importantly, listen to me on this podcast, the Ex-Millennial Man podcast. Great review us. Tell your friends about us. The writer strike's got to end and the actor strike because I can't deal with reality TV. It has just gotten worse and worse. Let's get this all figured out because I want some good, cool new material to come out. And as always, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, repeat all that. Seed say next millennial man. Also, the First Watch Rewatch podcast. You can find it under Public Forum Productions if you're searching on your podcast apps. It's uh, we're about to have episode three come out where my wife and I watch the seminal classic Grease 2. Never uh, seen it. I've heard it's not good, but... You'll hear, go to I'll the, listen to the, it, yeah. <laughs> hear what we have to say. <laughs> the existential question I have with that, is it better than the Apple? But because the Apple's awful, but um, yeah. but it, I still enjoy the hell out of it while we're recording this. I'm wearing my BIM Mark shirt. So uh, uh, yeah, I made comment when we went off mic for a minute. With all that being said, we thank you for years. Anything else that you may use to listen to the X Millennial Man podcast. Remember, we're here every Saturday for free, wherever you find your fine podcasting shows. And Ty, I am uh, going to go out on a little bit of different music. So. Until next week, live your best Barbie life. Stay fresh, cheese bags. I'm just kidding. This one's for us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so good. Oh my God. Because <laughs> this is like my new anthem. I've been humming this all weekend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast is a production of SeedSing.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik & Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.